The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, AWeber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, AWeber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. AWeber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by The Alternative Board. Since 1989, The Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to connect with our affiliate sponsor, GSM Growth Agency. They're boosting e-commerce businesses to six and seven figures in revenue and cover everything from ads and social media influencers to making your website better. GSM Growth Agency focuses on taking businesses from startup success to bigger success, going above and beyond to make sure growth sticks around. They're all about cool ideas, lasting partnerships, and making your mark in the e-commerce world. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Right, they don't move that they fast. They just don't move that fast, right? So right. how do I get a deal done in three weeks? You know, and I, I remember, you may remember this story, the founder of FedEx, right, wrote a paper for his master's thesis, right? And the professor gave him a D, right? He's like, man, this is a terrible idea. It'll never work. He's like, what are you talking about? Why would people pay to have something tomorrow when the post office will have it there in like five days, right? And and you remember their their slogan, forever, for like decades, When it absolutely, positively has to be there overnight. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And those people aren't going to pay 25 cents. They'll pay $35. Right. Right? Yeah, because it's not reliable. They can't wait five days. They're doing a deal. The paper's got to be there to close, let's say. we got to overnight a package. Yeah. It's funny that he got to do it. And the bridge loans are kind of like that on the lending side. When you absolutely positively have to close the deal. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We are going to be talking about, well, we're going to meet Malcolm in a few minutes, in a minute, and we're going to talk about his background as an entrepreneur. If you're watching on uh, video, you see him on screen. And we're going to be talking about financing because Malcolm's in the finance business. A lot of business owners have trouble getting financing. How do you become bankable? How do you get financing if you're not bankable? And we'll get into all that stuff. So let's get on with... Uh, Today's show, if you are listening on your favorite podcast directory, be sure and leave us a five-star review. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe, like us, so we can keep bringing the kind of content that we're going to bring to you today. So let's get on with the show. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, I'm Malcolm Turner with Castle Commercial Capital. I am a commercial lending executive. We help um, investors and business owners get financing for uh, their commercial deals. And we specialize in doing the deals that are difficult to get done, the hard deal. All right, Malcolm. So um, welcome to the show. Thanks for, for joining me this morning. Where, where, what part me. of the country you live in? I'm in Southfield, Michigan. Oh, okay. Just north of so, Detroit. So what's the weather like up there? It's supposed to be like 80 degrees here. It's not normally 80 degrees in New no, Jersey. No, it's, it's pleasant. It's fantastic. 
Yeah, good weather. Yeah. Turn you up a little bit. Okay. Um, well, why don't we get into a little bit about you, your background, your experience as an entrepreneur, how you got into financing, and then we could share later on all the tips and tricks and advice for people. Does that make sense? Makes sense. All right. Go ahead. Well, I started out, uh, I founded Castle Commercial Capital uh, 16 years ago, 16 and a half years okay. ago in uh, February of 2007. Um me and a partner of mine um, set up okay. a company, and it was the the intention was uh, I was actually complaining about I was doing residential at the time, and my uh, manager um, was uh, berating me about not selling a first time home buyer a three hundred thousand dollar option arm, right? Which you know. Um, mm would have completely blew up. We knew, you know, two right. years later, the whole thing with this crap in the yeah, handbasket. Exactly. But right, exactly. I was like, listen, the guy's a first time home buyer. Shouldn't we do the right thing? You know, I put him in a fixed FHA, you know, mortgage, you know, nice right. low interest rate. And uh, right. he's like, yeah, but you know, you made like 600 bucks. You could have made like four grand, you know? Ah, so the flexible ones were, they're paying higher. They want to push them. And so, right. And so I was like, you know, well, I gave him an $800 mortgage, excuse me, an $80,000 mortgage. That was FHA versus a $300,000 right. option. Right. Where you didn't have to put anything down very little. Right. Yeah. And, and, but, but that, that mortgage would have, that mortgage payment would have uh, increased like four times. Yeah, wouldn't have been able to. Pay and he would have. He would have lost his house. And I said, "Well, isn't are we supposed to do the right thing?" Oh, there you go, Malcolm, talking that do the right thing stuff again. Right. You know, I'm talking stuff. about making money here. You know, right. <laughs> and so I was right. talking to my pastor about why is doing the right thing a badge of dishonor. You know. Yeah. And he was like, "Well, you know, Malcolm, if you're going to create a mortgage company and start your own, what would it look like?" And I was like, oh, you know, I'd do commercial number one because it's all about the math. Right. Right. And it's not about the kitchens or the, you know, how wonderful the backyard is. It's me making money and what are my, you know, return on investment objectives. And yeah. uh, he's like, well, how would you do that? I'm like, well, you have to open up an office and you have to get some furniture. And you have to build some lender relationships and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Boom. This is how you do it. And he's like, all right, great. Let's do it. And I was like, whoa, I thought you were talking hypothetical. I was just talking, you know. And right. he was like, no, we should do it. You know, you're, you're a smart guy. I trust you with money yeah. and, you know, we should do it. And I was like, okay. How long were you working in the business at that point? I had been in financial services at that point, probably 10 years, 11 years. But not, not all lending. Not all lending. Lending, right. I was a financial advisor. I became a financial advisor in like 94. Um, And uh, uh, we got into lending because there was a firewall. You couldn't do financial planning and lending. And then Glass-Steagall got repealed. And, you know, Citibank became Citigroup. And then everyone was doing everyone else's business. You know what I mean? Insurance companies started offering investment accounts, vice versa, blah, blah, blah. So um, I got into lending probably 2000 and... I think I did my first loan maybe 2004. Oh, okay. So you're talking, you know, almost 20, 19 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. uh, um, uh, and I liked it. It was great business, you know, and we, and we couldn't be busier at the time. It was, you know, you couldn't get You couldn't get enough appraisals done. That was the right, bottleneck. Sure. Yeah. It was hot. It didn't crash until 08, 09. Right. 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 And so, so yeah, many people hot. had, years of higher interest mortgages that right. when rates first dropped, you know, you couldn't do them fast enough. Yeah. It was a feeding friend. Yeah. Now, why did you like lending more than financial advice? Um, well, one, I never liked the compliance end of financial advising in the sense of yeah. the, it, why did you recommend this mutual fund, you know, right. to Mitch suitability and, and stuff. well, why didn't you recommend all these right. other things? Yeah. And it's like, come on now, you know, it's bad as it's, it's enough to be responsible for the stuff I did. Now you want me to be responsible for the stuff I didn't do, you know? Right. And yeah, it, yeah it was, it was just, it was just getting to be a lot and margins were shrinking, 
Right. You know, and that was when people were getting in the fee based and there was this whole war in the business at the time between yeah. commissions and traditional financial right. services and yeah. fee only and, you know, that whole thing. Right. Um, and lending was just, it was a very lucrative and a ton of value add because everybody's happy when you take them out of, you know, like an 8% mortgage into a 4% mortgage. Right. You know, there's no such thing as an unhappy customer at that point, as long as you right, close. because there are no customers that go from four to eight. Those don't exist, so. Yeah, versus the market where, hey, the market went down a thousand points. Dude, just wait it out. It's going to be okay. Right. It's going to be fine. Exactly. And every time, you know, great. you do the dip and it's like, listen, you started at 30,000. Your account's now 120,000. Okay. Yeah, it got up to 150. It's coming back right. down to 130, but it's okay. It's the long term. And having right. the same conversations over yeah, and over lot. again. Yeah. It's just Yeah, it's, compliance is a problem. I've had a couple of financial advisors on the show, but I've given up on it because every time I have somebody on the show, compliance gets involved and they're like, you can't say this, you can't say that, you got to edit this. I'm like, I can't edit it. We recorded the episode, so I won't have them on the show anymore. Right. I know a lot of financial advisors, they don't want to come on the show. I won't. Right, I won't and you it, have but. to. they have to approve everything yeah. that you say in advance everything, everything that you do and i'm like right. oh, I had to come scrap on. episodes like I, you know we just couldn't publish them it was just crazy yeah exactly it's crazy exactly and we're not we're not recommending stocks i mean we're just talking about their history and their business experience and they didn't like it anyway so i just stay away from that stuff so that's co- totally understandable in lending you could focus on you could do the deal get it done give help people and then they you know you don't have to be babysitting them all the time right and save save them money Right. Yeah. Get them the 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 cash they need to you know whether pay for college for a kid or you know expand right. a business you know yeah. help them out and and they you know were glad to do it and then uh, so he, you know uh, Reggie said let's do it together I was like okay and just like that within a couple of months Castle Commercial Capital was born. Um, so Reggie was your pastor. He was my pastor. So that wasn't his. But did he? That wasn't his full time job. He had another occupation, or no? He, he was a full time. He was a full time pastor, and okay. he was part time. Uh, he was a real estate investor. Got it. So he owned some real estate. So he decided he would put capital into the company. Yeah. Well, because the because the initial because as soon as I said, "Wow, that's a good idea," but here's the thing, Reggie, I love you like a brother, and I did. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I say I did. Because unfortunately, Reggie passed away. Um, oh, I'm sorry. But I, I said, listen, I love you like a brother. And I trust you too. And you are awesome mm-hmm. with your business acumen, which he was. He was a great businessman. I goes, however, you don't know anything about lending. Right. So in the spiritual perspective of a concept of being evenly yoked, we're not going to be, and it's not going to feel good, you know, sharing 50% of the profits and I'm doing right. all the work. Right. Right. No, you know, no disrespect. You just, it is what it is. And he was right. like, you know what, Malcolm, you're absolutely right. You're a hundred percent right. I get that. I tell you what, how about we do this? You set it up. You're going to have to train me on all the stuff I don't know. You'll have to establish the relationships with the lenders. You know how to do that. Da, 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 da. Um, but I'll fund it. Okay. And then I was but, like, but what- oh, Okay, right, but, the, but what funding did you need? He's not going to fund it. Like he's not funding the loans; those are coming from the the lending relationship. So, what is what kind of startup capital you need? Well, to start you, you need it. You know, you know, setting office just the basic stuff right. of setting up an office. You know, furniture. You know, you got to you know pay security deposits on leases, and you right. know, and um, you know, you got to buy some basic startup. Yeah, just basic startup stuff. You know, right. computers, right. printers, blah blah blah. But he was also going to work in the business, and he did. Yes. Okay. Yes, he did, and uh, unfortunately, um, he got uh, pancreatic cancer, oh, and that's not. Good. And so, um, it, early on, like within, yeah, no, pancreatic is a death sentence. Pa- prostate, everybody gets prostate, and you know, yeah. my dad died of prostate cancer. Took. 11, 12 years for it to come back pancreatic. I have a cousin who's 60 and within a year and a half, he died. Yeah. Pancreatic cancer is nasty because you don't, it's nasty. It, you, yeah. unless you're really going to the doctor on a regular basis, they almost yeah, never catch, catch it, it early. It's too late. Right. And it's, it, you know, because of where it's at, it spreads and, you know, yes. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's a very low survival rate. 
Um, right. Yeah. On, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. On that one. How long did he work in the business with you? Did you not even a year. Out? Really? Yeah. Not, nice. not even a year. And I had to, you know, um, you know, say, okay, listen, <laughs> you got to focus on you. Right. You put, cause he was also my pastor. Right. Right. And I, and I did love him like a brother, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, listen, you got to, don't worry about the business. And he was like, Malcolm, but I, you know, we started this thing out together and I'm leaving it all on you. And I feel like I'm bailing on you and that I'm like, no, 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 look, right. don't you, this is a long-term deal. It's a long-term legacy for my family, for your family. Do what you got to do to get healthy. You put a hundred percent into that. I'll take care of this. We'll be fine. You know? Um, and, and so, uh, um, that's what I've done. And, and still, even in my book, um, I, when I reference, uh, uh, the founding of the company, I say, look, I co-founded this company. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't find, like, in other words, I wasn't the founder by myself. Right. You know, and I still give, yeah. a, and on my website, you know, uh, uh, castlecommercialcapital.com on our, on our origins, I talk about me, Reggie and I, you know, doing this thing together. So, um, you know, mad, mad props to, uh, to Reggie Caldwell. Yeah. Cause he's the one who said you're doing this and you, you got you started. You might not have done it without him. Right. Yeah. Well, it was totally his idea. Yeah. It was totally, it was totally his idea. And, uh, and I was like, all right, well, I got to talk to my wife and you talk with me. Oh, that's fine. I was like, yeah, I'm sure you got to talk to us. No, I don't. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. You don't have to. Right. Well, I, I got to talk to mine, yeah, bro. Right. So, yeah, I keep peace in the family <laughs> in the house. Absolutely. You know, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, his mom, uh, 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 Bertha, was my partner after he passed on. For a while? She worked with him? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just for, just for a little bit. But she was, obviously, she was his mom. She was much older. And so, um, but because the company was owned between his LLC and and me personally, so Castle, uh-huh. okay. you know, it's a little inside baseball. But it was like Mal, it wasn't Malcolm and Reggie; it was Malcolm right. and then his LLC. Well, his LLC was him and his mom. Got it. So when he passed away, his mom became a hundred percent owner of that LLC, right. which made her fifty percent partners with me. You know, got it, got it. Got so, um, and we had a great. You know, her and I had a great relationship. Um, uh, needless to say, and uh, um, now was it difficult to get started on a business like that in terms of lender relationships? I mean, nope. You know, nope. people no. Mm-mm. Just got to sign up and say, "Hey, listen, we'll offer your products if you like their portfolio." Absolutely. Well, cause understand the essential. You know, people. We have all these fancy terms. <laughs> My job, I sell money. Yeah, I sell money in America. Yeah, right. <laughs> As a mentor said to me 15 years ago, he's like Malcolm. There's no greater business than selling money in America. You know, taking the A off. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's like exactly. Everybody understands our business. Everybody wants yeah. our product. You know. Yeah. And generally, you know, if if I'm charging. Uh, two points, and 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 they're getting ninety eight percent. That's a trade ninety nine percent, ninety nine point nine percent of the country will make. Right. You know. So it's so it's not like they're paying us thirty percent. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's not even a ten x uh, right. no, no, uh, return. Making fees up front, right? You, exactly. you know, we're we're providing bigger than, than than that relative to what they pay us. So, you know, it's never a question of uh, me, quote unquote, buying the product. It's more, can I get it? Got it, got it. So it's really up to you to do the screening and the due diligence of the products and say, okay, well, this lender and these products work for clients. So, so are you? sometimes going to market looking for other relationships because you have some difficult situations or you pretty much have your list of, you know, Oh no, lending. Mitch, I'm, I'm looking for relationships all the time, you know, yeah, cause the market's always changing. Market's right? always changing. Products are changing right? uh, and the players, 
Yeah, of course. The players change. You know, I was on the phone with a a lender, a new lender yesterday, but the rep is an old relationship. Who went to this new lender. Who went to this new lender. And, and, you know, if you go to LinkedIn and you look at the the typical commercial banker, commercial lender, Mm -hmm. right? Commercial uh, loan officers at banks in the banking industry on average, they probably change shops every three to four years. Okay. It's rare yeah. to see someone who's been 10 years, 15, 20 years at the same shop. Right. That's extremely rare, you know? Yeah. And, and I've, you know, I, I've got three loan officers um, that work for me, and I understand the, the competitive nature of the business. Right. Yeah. And I support my guys um, so that they don't, you know, uh, ideally oh, they don't leave. Right. But everyone, you know, eventually, eventually right. at some okay. point, you know, new pastors. Yeah. They're going to die. <laughs> so they're going to leave right. me. Right? No, matter, exactly. no matter what. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So so what kind of industries have you lent to? Do you more? Have you worked with more industry, certain industries more than others in terms of small businesses? And because we can focus on those and what their needs are, is it all over well, the place? Well, our our focus as a practice is around the commercial real estate investor. Okay. Okay. So people that own you know multifamily housing, warehouses, uh, office buildings, whatever it happens. To exactly. Be. Exactly. Okay. Now we do work with business owners. When it comes to their commercial real estate acquisitions, so got it. the guy who's got, um, example, uh, I had a business owner. He he had a building next to him. Uh, uh, rather, his building was like five thousand, uh, fifty five hundred square feet. You know, and the guy had just been rocking. Like COVID didn't mean a thing to him. He had an HVAC company, long, yeah. and his his profits were like straight up. He went, yeah. he literally went from, uh, I want to say $3 million in revenue to four and a half to five and a half to seven to 10. He was just, you know, he rock star, just a rock star manager. Um, and uh, uh, our bank, I say our bank because the bank that I personally keep Castle's business accounts with, was his mm-hmm. bank. Got it. Okay. They'll remain unnamed because they, they yeah. screwed him. <laughs> so oh, I'm not going to say who they are. Yeah, we definitely won't name them. <laughs> but right. he, he got like 10 days away, uh, a week away from closing. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to do this deal. I've seen bank. What is, they went to like the final loan committee and they wouldn't do it or something changed at the bank and they had too many loans out. What was the reason? Yeah. Well, we don't really know. I, yeah, I, never really. But I can I can tell you what I suspect happened. One, the, my bank at the time went through a merger. Okay, and bank yeah. mergers are never mergers; they're takeovers. The right, only question course. is which one. It's never like a right. merger of equals. Right. No, never. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. So yeah. our bank that him and I were with were being taken over by this taken over by this other bank, and uh, they probably them. had a situation where they said, "You know what." You guys may approve that, we but there's a new sheriff in town. Right. So, yeah, we don't like that deal no more. You know, or yeah. we just, because of, you know, again, macroeconomics, we just don't want to take on that new debt right now. Right. Exactly. It might not be you. It might be like, you know what? We lent too much money this month or this quarter or whatever. And, we're not going to well, do that. And, deal. And, and in my book, uh, uh, Financing the Unbankable Deal, um, I talk about the top four deal killers. Okay. okay. And one of them <clears throat> is in external to you, the investor. Yeah. It's the, it's the right. lender. You know, they may yeah. have, example, let's say you want to finance a self storage facility, mm-hmm. highly profitable. You're 100% full. Okay. Why wouldn't the bank do that loan? Right. right. Well, Got maybe flow, right? on the other side of town, right. they had another self source facility that went under. Right. So they're skittish about so it. So now they got bad debt. 
in that sector. And every bank has allocations. Right. They can't have it all in one. Right. Right. And so they they allocate based on sector, a property type, based on location. Uh So you may have a situation where, man, they love the deal, but you know what? We just got too many deals. Right. You know, I had a great lender in um, uh, uh, Washington State that I was working with, Uh and I found these guys, and they were they were really a great. They still are. They're a great partner. It's a great niche. And I was like, oh my god, I could do a lot of deals with these guys, right? And then last year, uh, uh, the guy said to me, "Hey, Malcolm, uh, you got to slow down, dude. We're getting overweighted in Michigan." See, and I'm like, well, you got other. You know, you got, I'm sure you got other brokers besides me in, in Michigan that's feeding you guys. He's like, Yeah, of course. Yeah, but not like you. Hey, you, right. you, you do a lot of volume. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yes. And so we're getting, I got to raise some more money. You're causing Chris, right. who was his partner, who was on the, the, inc, the equity, because they have an income fund, right? Right. The income fund raises money from investors, right? Okay. And then the lending division loans that money out on commercial real estate. Right, they got to put the paper on the street. Somewhere. So he's like, right. "You're forcing Chris to go out there and work harder because <laughs> he's got right to find more." Yeah, because the only way for us to do more lending in Michigan, because of allocation restrictions, right? We have to grow the bigger pie. Yeah, so that that piece of the pie can get bigger. Right, but that's not what you're doing. You're just trying to lend out the thing. You know, I have the same problem with cannabis companies in New Jersey. Cannabis is now adult use is legal. But you can't just put it in any bank. So some of these local, you know, state chartered banks, they they take customers, but they can only take so much. Like how much cash can they have on their books? Right. It, it affects their lending, you know, ratios and everything like that. And then they shut down. They go, I'm sorry, we're small. We can't take any more, you know, customers because it's going to affect what else we can do and our things, you know, reserve rates and all kinds of stuff. So it's I understand that there's a lot of times where you get declined on the way down or they won't do the loan. It's got nothing to do with you. Got nothing to do with you. So when this guy got, going to the earlier story, when the guy got, you know, decline, and they didn't really decline them. Banks don't like to decline people outright. So what they will do is they'll ask you for a condition that Mitch, they know you won't satisfy. Right. right? Or something that'll tick you off. Right. So then you'll turn down. You'll turn down the loan. And right, right, like right. they had said to him, well, we need a new appraisal. We need a new environmental. And the guy's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've paid 10 grand yeah. for all of that stuff. And my numbers yeah. came in. Right? Yeah. So why would I have to pay again? Well, we got new sheriff in town and they want to see new da 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 da. And he's like, okay, so if that comes in good. Because the num- there's nothing wrong with the one I got. So if right. that one comes in good, that's another certified appraiser. You still gonna guarantee my loan? And they're like, well, we can't do that. We right. can't get so he's just like, mm. So another person yeah. at the bank said, Hey, listen. Call this guy. You know, Castle Commercial Capital, but don't tell him you heard it from me. Right. right. He'll find something. I bank it. there. So, you know, yeah. that's you know, that's what one one of those title settlements come in that's where i'm putting right. the money right so yeah. uh he was like well i've never heard of these guys and they're like oh, that's okay so he did a google search and you know, saw our you know ratings on google and then he went and facebook some real estate groups and say anyone heard it oh these guys are awesome but he's like oh okay you know right. called us long story short we did a sba 7a loan and we closed in like 58 days that's pretty good. Which, SBA is tough to work with. And all his buddies were like, there's no way. Right. You know, because he asked me up front. I was like, well, we could do this. Because he's like the seller of the building he was trying to buy was next door to him. Right. And it was 30,000 square feet. Big. Yeah. So he's like, I can do 15, 20 mil out that location. I got to get this building and these guys been putting us off, putting us off, putting us off. Right. right. Now I got to go back to the seller, start all over again. Right. And he just wants to retire and go to Florida. So I I don't have, I don't have as much time as I did before. And I was like, look, 60 days tops. 
are you sure? Like, I'm positive. I've done it before. I'll do it again. It's okay. You know, he's like, all right. And then his buddies are like, dude, he's lying. He's stringing you along. Right. There's no way. SBA is the government. Come on. Right. Yeah. That's always what holds it up. But, and this is for your listeners, right? There are what's called preferred lenders. Right. Okay. With SBA. Any bank can go to SBA and submit a loan for funding. And, and, and the SBA doesn't do the loan. They just guarantee it. Right. Right. So if the loan goes bad, that yeah. bank gets back 75, 80% of what they lent right. out. It's like insurance, right. It's exactly. insurance. Exactly. But if you are a preferred lender under their PLP program, you can underwrite, close, and fund an SBA loan without prior approval. Okay. You know, so you, you have a fast track, you know, because you, and you've you, done so you many do of the these, you know, the guidelines the in and yourself. out. You're doing, you basically have to do the underwriting in-house and they're relying on you to do it correctly. And maybe they audit you at one point. I mean, how did, well, yeah, how but that's, that? but part of getting into the preferred lender program is that that lender has done a certain amount of volume Right. Got it. And they've met the benchmarks that SBA, you know, has laid out to be part of that program that allows them that Got leeway. Got it. Like, like, you know, they don't have a high default rate to pick. Yeah, a, because a, a typical like guy, a, a typical guy, typical lender is going to have to take the loan pack. They got to approve it in house first. Then they take right. the loan pack and they send it to Washington, D.C. Right. And then some guy there says, yeah, you got to change this, this and this. And then it comes back. And then they got to, you know, go through it again. They send it back to D.C. And then you that's why they can take months and months and months. Right. Right. But if you've got a PLP lender uh, that's part of the preferred lender program, they'll say, oh, this will happen. This will happen. This will happen. We're good to close. Yep. They close. They fund it. And then they worry about the SBA later. Got it. Got it, got it, you know, got it. and okay. for me, I'm not a um, um, an SBA lender, but I am mm-hmm. affiliated with PLP lenders that have that status. Right, you place the loan with them, and then they have the status. Right, even though in our in our growth in 2019, Castle Commercial Capital became a lender. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. So we were doing so brokerage like- for the first was that 13 years, right? Um, and then a, a billion dollar income fund approached us and said, Hey, you have any paper you want to sell? You know, and we're like, No. And they're like, You're just a broker? And we're like, Yeah, he goes, But you're on the first page of Google. When I do commercial lending in Michigan, you know, and I'm like, Yeah, he goes, So you, you must be doing something right over there. You know, and I'm like, Yeah, we do okay. You know, and he's like, Well, so you're not a lender. Nope. But you want to? Because, you do enough volume, we'll buy your paper. So you're saying you can originate the loan and then you sell it to them. Well, everybody does. Yeah, I know that's how it works. But yeah. so they're kind of like your warehouse line, kind of, right? Y- y- yes, sort of. So they're not the they're not they're, they're the guy after the warehouse line. Right. They're not funding it. You're basically funding. Well, so where's the you have warehouse lines that fund the so, loan? And so then like you when you have a warehouse them. line, right? Right. It's like a big credit line. It's like a big credit line. So you lend, yeah. you know, you do the loan. I say me, I do the yeah. loan, and I pay for it off my credit line, right? Right. And then I sell it to some other entity. Right. They give me the money. I pay off my warehouse line for that amount because the warehouse the money's not meant to live there. It's just temporary. Right. Right. It's just temporary. Right? right. And then I, you know, the whole thing goes over all over again. Right. So. You know, these guys, um, these income funds, you know, you have a relationship with and you got an agreement and you say, hey, any loan that fits within this box. Right. Right. We will buy. Okay, so um, depending on depending on your arrangement uh, uh, with the fund, you may have a pre underwriting where I'm taking the application and instead of me fully funding it and putting it on my warehouse line and that whole thing, I may have a relationship right. where um, uh, I'm sending it to them and they're underwriting it. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. 
and they're agreeing to buy it such that I have, I'm not selling it to them days or weeks later. I'm selling right, it to them at the closing table. Close. Got it. Right. So the loan is with me, but I right. also have a purchase agreement. Right. With the the fund and the fund right. buys my paper. So that mortgage gets recorded at the county. And, and so you may have a seller that I'm funding the purchase of the property. And there's another purchase agreement on the paper. Between you and the fund. And the fund. Yep. So, so ultimately, the, everything gets recorded in the fund, in the owner's name, the ultimate, the, the end user, the end mortgage. Or? Yeah, correct. Right. Got it. Correct. So you don't have to refile everything and re-record. Things. No, it happens all at the same time. It happens. All, but but it. again, it so, depends on the relationship that, uh, of no, that obviously, fund. And maybe depend on the deal. Yeah, too, so, right? so in that particular situation, that mortgage never hits a warehouse line. Right, you don't have to. They they're funding the money at the table. At the table, and the and it's, it's called like table funding, real estate, right? It's, yeah. it's called table, and the and the money's being wired in okay. by that third party up front. You know, uh, to the borrower it doesn't really make a difference. I mean, no, no, not at all. You know, whether I put it on a warehouse line or whether I fund it at the table, it doesn't really make a difference to them. To them, no. Yeah. So, so if you're from a business standpoint, right? If you're originating the loan and you're selling the paper, whether it's at the table or afterward, are they paying a premium for the loan and you're making money on that sale? Or are you taking a hit in order to get it off your books? Oh, no. Well, no, no. The, the, Say it's a million dollar loan. Well, well, so so you think about, think about lending this way. Um, yeah. Every commercial real estate investor at some point in their maturity in the business, mm-hmm. they have to understand where 10-year treasuries are. Okay. Everything is based off of 10-year treasuries. Okay. okay? The, whether the Fed increases rates or drops rates or whatever adjustment they make, it doesn't care. What did 10-year treasuries do? Okay. If 10-year treasuries move up because of the Fed, or they move up independent of the Fed, my rate's still going up. Okay. The cost of capital right, that everyone capital pays. Sure, because you're selling money, goes like up. it said. There's, right. there's no, the, the basis of all of our lending is, is going to be treasuries. It's all tied to the 10-year treasury. It's all tied to the treasury, exactly. So okay. so whether you know rates move on a weekly basis depends on what treasuries do. Right. Right. So the cost of capital when banks lend, you know, everyone's lending on the margins. Okay. Right. So when Chase does a loan to you, Fannie Mae is buying that mortgage from Chase. Right. Right. It's a Chase loan, but Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are providing the secondary market for residential mortgages. Right. So. Okay. Right. Which is why no matter what bank you go into in America, that loan application is exactly the same. Right. Because it's all their forms. Because it's a Fannie Mae, 1003, uh, uh, Freddie Mac, I forget what they call it, 10 something. You know, it's the same form. And every mortgage that's written on that application can be sold later to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which is the ultimate right. in the secondary market. So they may be lending the money at six, the bank is lending it at seven, and it's that 1% margin that they're making money on, right? Got it. You take that million-dollar mortgage, right, and you say, okay, what's the cost of capital when you amortize that thing out over 30 years? And you say, okay, what's the net present value right now of that mortgage contract? Okay. Okay, then that'll dictate all the cash flows, discounting all the cash flows backwards to a present value number. Right. And then they're going to give me that number. And then hopefully that number, if I if my underwriter's done their job right, is more than what I loaned you. Right. Hopefully. Right. So if I loan is easy math, if I loaned you a million bucks, okay, the net present value, that number better be a million. Fifty thousand, or a million twenty-five thousand, or some number north of that million bucks. 
Well, if their discount rate is lower than yours, their interest rate that they're using to net present value, then it'll be higher. Is that the way it works? Well, because ideally, the, 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 the this is where, where Silicon Valley got in trouble, right? right. When rates go uh, up, okay, right. if I'm holding paper that's at a lower rate, right, the value goes the down. value goes down. Right, so it's like bonds. Like exactly, it's exactly right. what it is. It's like a bond, basically. Ex right. ex exactly. So you know, speed becomes important between how fast I write that paper and how fast I sell that paper, because I don't want to get right. caught in a bad situation with any changes. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, a mortgage, whether it's commercial, or residential, really is like a bond being issued by an individual or a small company. Bonds are. You know, people lending you, you're lending them money. That's exactly and right. they're paying you a rate. That's what happens with that. Okay. That's interesting. All right. Well, let's take a, a commercial break and then we'll come back, talk about your book, talk about the things people should know when it comes to lending and borrowing for the business and how they be, can become bankable or what can they do if they're not bankable. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. All right. Let's jump to commercials then. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to market and grow your business? Or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one -on -one business coaching, participation in monthly TAB board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools, and customized strategic planning workshops, TAB membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Are you struggling with managing advertising due to a lack of time or expertise? Perhaps you're facing challenges in scaling ads for your store. Are you feeling lost when strategies have no success? GSM Growth Agency is your reliable partner in overcoming these business challenges. Feel the impact of collaborating with a team dedicated not only to short-term goals, but also to building long-term partnerships and achieving sustained success. Embark on an exciting journey to redefine the possibilities of e-commerce and create a legacy of unparalleled excellence. Take decisive action now. Follow their link in the show notes to receive a complimentary audit of your Shopify store conducted by a GSM expert. Propel your e-commerce game to new heights with GSM Growth Agency. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. All right, we are back. So, Malcolm, uh, you were sharing about the business and how lending works. I think that's, uh, I think it helps people to understand, you know, the, the difficulties. But it also comes down to working with people who know what they're doing, you know, and have experience in the business and the right relationships. But you, you wrote a book, mm -hmm. right? Financing the unbankable deal. Let's talk about, you know, the kind of things that you tell customers and advice you give them when they're a business owner, they're looking to, to land. And you had said before, you lend really hard assets. You're looking for real estate to be part of the deal or only the deal. And that's what you're looking for. But can we talk about both about, you know, a business borrowing money versus, um, you know, borrowing money to buy a building and they're different i would assume because there's no hard assets on the building on the business right yes correct yeah right well okay uh my book uh i don't know if you can see this on the, the yeah, thing yeah can see it yep. uh financing the unbankable deal um it's on amazon it took me nine months uh to birth this baby <laughs> <laughs> took me three years if it makes you feel any better so <laughs> you know uh it's writing a book is a lifestyle isn't it I did it with a partner because there wasn't going to do it alone. No friggin' way. I, I would have never gotten it done if it wasn't for my co-author. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a job. It's a lifestyle, you know. But it, <laughs> but anyway, um, the premise of the book is 
how to, and I'll give you the subtitle. The subtitle is how to buy commercial real estate with the bridge loan investor success strategy. Okay. Okay. And where I come at this is most deals are not bankable. You know, the vast majority, and I'm saying, and I saw saw the stats somewhere, like 85% of commercial loan applications are rejected. Really? Yeah. For real estate purchases? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, 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 it's huge for a variety of reasons. Okay. Okay. And, uh, but there's a lot of good deals that are passed up that, on. that the bank said, yeah, we're going to do it, but that's a good deal. Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? You know? Right. And so our, um, uh, what we call bliss method, our bridge loan investor success strategy goes to how do I take those deals that they're not bankable, but they're good deals and right. still get them done. We all see yeah. these deals, Mitch. We all drive by a, uh, example, a vacant hotel. It's been vacant mm-hmm. for five years, 10 years. You know, it's an eyesore. And then, you know, a year or two later, we drive by it again. And all of a sudden, it's got completely renovated. And it's a right. um, assisted living facility. Right. And the parking yeah. lot is full because the moment yeah. they open, they fill that thing up because demand course, is so great. You know, right. all these baby boomers at what ten thousand a day turning seventy five. Yeah. You know, you can't build enough of them, right? Right. No. And so how did they get that that vacant building that was not cash right. flowing, that had been abandoned, no bank would touch it? Where'd that funding come from? Right, because the banks they want no risk, it seems in most cases, right? They want to lend when the facility's full, all the work's been done, they want and they want cash in the bank. So they want you to they're going to give you two million bucks. They want collateral on the real estate, and then they want you to have two million dollars in the bank. Like, well, what's the point? I, if I had Bob Hope famously said, "Banks are the yeah. places that give you mo- give money to those who don't need it." Right. That's always it, right? it seems that way all the time. But we know deals are getting done, like you said. So okay, right, so and that's the, and that's where our, uh, our that's where our unbankable deal comes from, because yeah, um, with our with the bridge loans that we do. The deal can be vacant. It could be no cash. Right. The bridge right. loan meaning it's 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 a bridge from the vacant property, fixing it up, and then they refinance in a shorter period well, of time. I want to I want to leave it broader than that. The, okay. the the bridge is here. It's a non-bankable deal for a variety right. of reasons. Okay, right. and I need the money to bridge me over to this point where it is bankable. Right, because yeah. because example, it might be bankable, not bankable, because I could have a time issue. Where it's this is uh, the twenty seventh of October, and right. I got a tax problem, and I got to get out of this thing by December fifteenth. Right. Okay. Let's uh, say a bank can and fast. There's there's no if ands or buts. I'm going to lose right. this deal. I'm going to have a huge problem. You, the bank can't close a swinging door that fast. Right. Okay. So it might be 100% occupied. It might be cash flowing like crazy. I may have great credit. I mean, but they just can't process. Right. They don't move that they fast. They just don't move that fast. Right. So right. how do I get a deal done in three weeks? You know, and I, I remember, you may remember this story. The founder of FedEx, right, wrote a paper. For his master's thesis, right? And the professor gave him a D, right? He's like, man, this is a terrible idea. It'll never work. He's like, what are you talking about? Why would people pay to have something tomorrow when the post office will have it there in like five days, right? And and you remember their their slogan, forever, for like decades, When it absolutely, positively has to be there overnight. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And those people aren't going to pay 25 cents. They'll pay $35. Right. Right? Yeah, because it's not reliable. They can't wait five days. They're doing a deal. The paper's got to be there to close, let's say. we got to overnight a package. Yeah. 
it's funny that he got it. And, and, and the bridge loans are kind of like that on the lending side when you absolutely positively have to close the deal. Right. Maybe you're doing an exchange and you got to get into this new property or it's going to blow the exchange. You pay taxes on everything. You got to do exactly. it. Exactly. Or, or right. maybe you got a seller who's going through a divorce. Right. Yeah. But maybe <laughs> it had this happen. The wife don't know it yet. <laughs> oh, right. <okay>. So <laughs> listen, <laughs> I got to sell this thing because, you know, per a certain date, I'm going to right. be in divorce court and she's going to get half. So I need to, yeah, so I need to get, get out of this thing. You know, I had two right. partners. I, I use case studies in my book where one partner was getting a divorce and the other part was like, listen, man, you don't like your wife. I don't like your wife either. I cannot I be partners be. with your wife. So we right. need to get out of this deal and I need to exit you out as a partner. So we were doing yeah. a refinance, right? Uh-huh. And, and I'm out. trying to get him the loan and get him the cash out to do the buyout out of the partner before the uh, divorce attorney is going to have the documents filed. Right. Right. And so, you know, that's where bridge bridge loans come in. And, and you could have situations where, you know, again, the property could be vacant, not cash flowing, you know, right. There's some other, there could be occupancy could be an issue. And they say, right. like example, you got a strip mall and it's at 50% occupancy. Yeah. Thanks so Bank's not going to do that deal. Right. You know, now the question is, Mitch, is it 50% on its way up to a hundred right. or 50% on its way down to zero? Right. Was it just renovated and they're starting to fill it up or is it dilapidated and people are moving out? We just signed CVS as a new anchor tenant on this thing. And now we've got uh Davida dialysis coming in. They're going to pick up 50, 15,000 square feet. We got, and yeah. so, Oh, you know what? This is not going to be a retail strip center. This is actually going to be a medical strip center. Yeah. That, that raises its value, but they don't look past that stuff. Well, they see right now it's a 50% vacant and, this is and it's not exactly. medical right now. It's right. a failed retail right now. Right. You know, so that's where the bridge comes in. We give them the money. They do the acquisition. They make the change in tenants. They upgrade yeah. the property and it goes from a two and a half million dollar value to a five million dollar value. Refinance. You know, and then they can re- then they can refinance with the bank, you know, if they choose right. to, to, to go that to go that route. But um, the higher rate of interest that I'm going to have to pay on a bridge or maybe the higher right. points that I have to pay. Are nothing right. compared to the two and a half million of potential profit, right? That I'm going to lose if I don't get this deal done, right? Well, that's that's the the world of of difficult lending, right? People think, why would why would they do that deal? Well, there's probably some reason that they needed the money because they're going to lose the deal, or you know, their approvals are expiring and they need to get a shovel in the ground, they need to get it going, or the contractor's walking off the job because he's got something else going on, whatever it is. And you pay the extra points, but you're right. It's just a business decision. It's not like uh, you're moving your house and shit. Now I got to pay 9% because the market's up. I can't even afford that. I'm going to yeah, squeeze I, in. Because I, I tell people in my book, you know, when is it not appropriate to do a bridge loan? Easy. When you can do bank financing. Right. Of course. When you when, when it qualifies, when you got time, right? right? All the, all the, right. the universe has aligned perfectly correct for you to do get that done that's when you do it yeah now bridge is uh is short term so is there a point at which they have to refinance they got to get out of this loan for you or typically bridges are anywhere from on the low end six months uh to the high end uh 36 months three years you know most of the time they're 12 months most the vast majority are 12 months if you're doing construction projects yeah. Then that's when they can get to two years, three years, right? You know, yeah, okay. And some of that I know flips to traditional financing, right? They'll, they'll do, but even that traditional construction financing, you need time and you need all the plans and everything you got to do, right? Yeah, you know, it's a big market. The businesses couldn't operate without the without this secondary market bridge loans. Absolutely. And and example with your your, your business owner listeners, right? I need a business loan, but COVID killed me. Okay. And I I just had this happen about uh, six months ago. Um, 
the bank said, hey, we need two years tax returns. Right. Right. They're not going to look good. And they they were OK because 21, they were fine. 21 and 22, they were great. Right. And then once again, they got deep into underwriting. Also, the bank says, oh, you know, we need three years. And the guy's like, three years? 2020 was terrible. It was COVID, right? It was COVID, right. So he's like, you, you don't want to do my loan. That's right. what that's what you're, <laughs> you don't want to say yeah, it. Right. But there's something else that's happened. And so now all of a sudden, you're going to throw on three years. When you knew at the beginning, I told you I, that COVID was terrible. But the last right. two years, I'm good. Right. Right. So it's like, okay. It happened. Everybody knows it. So. Yeah, exactly. So we did a bridge, right, to give him time so that now when he goes 20, when he goes three years, and he goes 21, 22, and 23. Right. He'll be okay. You know, and he'll qualify at that time for you know, a traditional bank loan or SBA loan or something like that. Yeah. Whereas now it is like, yeah, he can't, he can't do it. Got it. So are there things that business owners need to be aware of that they should be doing when running their business, keeping their finances or whatever that make them more bankable when, when, they, Oh, you know, I'll tell you the key thing. The, the, okay. the, the most important thing for your business owner listeners that want loans in the future Right. Okay. Yeah, there's a building next door, and they know it's just a matter of time for the old guy says, I'm going to sell. I you know that joke about it. the farmer, right? He doesn't want all the land. He just wants right. the land next to his. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? He just wants the land right. next to his, right? The business right. owner client I mentioned earlier, the business, the building next door was 30,000 square feet. It right. wasn't across town. It was next door. No. Yeah, he wanted right? it. Right? It gave him the expansion and the least disruption to right. his organization, right? It was perfect. Yep. So I got to get that building, right? Yeah. The thing that he did that was awesome, he had cash flow and he showed cash flow. What a big, huge mistake a lot of business owners make, they write down everything and they praise their, I got the best accountant known to man. I had $5 million in revenue and had $30,000 in profits. Right. I went to ten million in revenue and I still had thirty thousand dollars in profits. Right. Right. And when you go to the bank, the bank says, Well, dude, your mortgage payment is ten grand a month. You're only clearing thirty thousand dollars. Right. How's that possible? There's no money. Yeah. For a mortgage. Right. Oh, well, come on, guys. I mean, you know we make money. You know we're making money. You know, look at our revenue growth. Yeah, but see, here's the problem. We use tax returns. This is the bank. We use tax returns to document your income statements, right? Yeah. And you'll lie to the government. So you're saying to me as the banker, I'm going to lie to that guy who could put you in jail, but I'm going to be totally truthful to you. Right. Yeah, no, it's a problem. It's a problem. People don't want to pay taxes. And they don't want to pay taxes, and they go and they say, "Well, the only thing we can actually rely on is your, you know, your bookkeeping and your and your tax returns. Make sure they line up." And then you're like, "Well, you don't show any profit, yeah? Well, because we don't want to pay taxes. Okay, but we can't lend right. to you. It looks like you can't afford anything. Right? How are you paying for it now? You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's just nuts. Well, I appreciate it. The the book's available on Amazon. Yes, financing correct? the unbankable deal. Okay, we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, and uh, I hope uh, and you have a we nice also have a website of uh, okay. financing the unbankable deal.com. Okay, good. We'll put that link in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, Malcolm, I, I appreciate sharing insight into lending and, and what small business owners should do. And they should think twice about, you know, just, just accounting and running their business so they can pay as little tax as possible because then they end up with, they can't expand. You can't grow. Sometimes you got to pay tax. Sometimes you got to pay. You show you're profitable. Show your profits are going up every year. You will always be bankable. Right. Absolutely. All right. I thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. It was an honor. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. 
If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at beinackerlaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.